The title of this teaching is Run with Endurance. Yes, one of the comparisons God's Word uses to describe a Christian's life is that of running a race. And um, we're not, of course, literally in a race, but it's a comparison that has to do with certain things a believer needs to do when they're, or a person, or an athlete needs to do when they're running a race, and that is to run with endurance. In 1 Corinthians 9, it's 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. When somebody's born again, you're automatically part of this, what God's word describes as a race, and this metaphor, you're already automatically a part of it. So, but the believer is encouraged here is to run, run in a manner so that you may obtain. And then the next verse tells you what the goal is, what we're trying to obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery or contends in the game is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. You see, that's the that's the goal. The crown is what is the believer is to run to obtain. And we're not going to get into the all the details of the crown in this teaching, but that is what the, the end goal is to obtain the crown. And a believer is to run in a manner so that they may obtain. It's not automatically guaranteed. The crown is not a participation trophy. It's not given for just being part of the race. You have to run in a manner to obtain, and that means running the race with endurance. Even Paul says of himself in verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, I have focus, I know where I'm going. So fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway or become disqualified from the race. So even Paul didn't think himself receiving the crown was a guarantee just because he was part of the race. He had to exercise self-control in all things, and he didn't want to be disqualified. If you want to understand that, what it means to get disqualified, read the next chapter. It'll give you insight into how a believer can get disqualified from obtaining the crown. But anyway, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. So all believers are part of this race. Uh, it's not literally a race, I said. It's a metaphor used for the Christian life. We're in it because we're born again, but we have to run with endurance. And you all know that if, you, if, a, if a, an athlete doesn't finish a race, can they hope to get any kind of a prize? Not at all. And for believers, the idea of finishing the race means to continue to believe God all their lives, to the end of their lives or until Christ comes back, whichever comes first. Not to quit on God and the things of God. In uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1, we're going to just read the first verse, and then we'll come back to this section later, but it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing... uh, Sorry, verse 2. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are so compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. And that's the word for endurance. It's not just being, you know, sitting patiently waiting for a bus or something. It's endurance. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we have to run this race with endurance. And we're going to come back to this section later. But endurance is necessary in if you're running a physical race, 
but it's also necessary in the Christian life that we continue to endure and believe God's word all the days of our lives. In um, Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Well, why is endurance necessary? I think you all know the answer to that question. Mark chapter 4, we'll look at that briefly. <clears throat> Here, Jesus Christ was explaining the parable of the sower to his disciples. And um, in verse 14, he says, he says, the sower soweth the word, and these are they by the, w- the wayside which where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. You see, uh, born-again ones may not appreciate the value of God's word in their lives, but guess who does appreciate it? Guess who, who, who is concerned about the word of God in a person's life? The adversary, Satan, he is not hesitant. He doesn't take his time uh, when it comes to try to take the person, the word of God out of a person's life. It says he comes immediately. He does not waste any time. He has a high value for that word. Um, and he tries to take it, the word that's sown in their hearts. And so one of the reasons believers need to endure is because the word of God is going to be under constant attack in their lives. You know, it's not necessarily that the believer is, you know, doing something wrong that they go through pressures and uh, pressures in life. It can be, it's just one of the reasons is just because of the word of God that they have. Verse 16 says, And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure, but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Okay. It's because of the word in their lives they get, they get persecution coming into, the, you know, coming in to enter, and it's to get the word ripped out of their lives. And so some people, because they haven't rooted themselves in God's word, they don't endure, and they're offended. And the in verse eighteen, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitful of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Again, the attack is on that word of God; it's no longer, and so they don't they become unfruitful in in with the word. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit some 30-fold, some 60, and some in 100. So this was a teaching that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his disciples. And if we're going to be those who continue to stand God's word on God's word all of our lives, we have to be aware of these things. We have to endure. We have to have that great value for God's word and, and, and not be like, well, I'll get to it at some point. Satan doesn't waste time. He comes immediately to rip it out. Why would we want to take our time to be you know, getting ourselves rooted and grounded in God's word. Uh, let's go to uh, John chapter, well, no, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it. But in Second Timothy, um, uh, it says that, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. See, it's just because of God's word in our lives that we're going to have persecution. We're going to have pressures and and 
even pleasures offered to us to get us off that word of God. Jesus Christ said in John 15, again, you don't have to go there. He said in 15, 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And he says later on in verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, and you should go for, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. In other words, Christians are to live fruitful Christian lives all their lives. They're, they're, God's word encourages us to stand on his word, to be faithful all our lives, not to like, well, now I'm born again. I can just, you know, I can take it easy. I know I have salvation. No, there's a there's the crown that's at the end to finish the race that's that's in view that we have we're striving for. It's not just enough to be participating. We want to finish that race. In uh <clears throat> let's go to the book of Hebrews. The book of he- Hebrews chapter 6. The book of Hebrews is written to born again ones who in, in if you read the the entire book you'll see you'll understand it's written to born again ones who who were in danger of quitting, quitting on God's word because of the pressures and persecutions and things that they were going through. And it's a, it's great, it's a great book on the hope, and it's designed to encourage them to continue to stand on God's word and to continue to grow in it. And there's a lot of reproof along that lines. But in, uh, actually, did I say Hebrews 6? Let's start in Hebrews 5, verse 12. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles or the oracles of God. See, they were believers, and they've been in God's word for a while, and says, you ought to be teachers by now, but I have to teach you all again the beginning. You know, I have to teach you the ABCs again. And why is that? And, and are become as such as, as a need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Okay, Babies don't eat milk, meat, so they have milk. But strong meat, verse 14, belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have exercised, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If you don't participate if you don't partake of God's word, if you don't root yourself in God's word, if you don't use God's word, apply yourselves to it, then you become in need of milk again, the first principles of God's word, rather than being getting to the point where you can teach and tell others and help others to be established in God's word. Then chapter 6, it says, therefore, leaving the principles, you know, the ABCs of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, maturity in the things of God. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. These are all the first principles, the ABCs of God's word. And this will we do if God permit, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. See, these are born-again ones. They have tasted 
it says, they were once enlightened, they have tasted of the heavenly gift, which is Holy Spirit, they've tasted of the good word of God, and the powers of the coming age, you know, operating the manifestations is an indication of the powers of the coming age. And, and uh, these believers can fall away. And again, in the context, falling away just simply means to be, become unfruitful in your Christian living. Just like we read in the sower of the, in the seed, they just become unfruitful due to pressures, pleasures, the adversary rooting, taking the word, out of God, word of God out of their lives. That's what it simply means to fall away, as we're going to see as we read on. Um, for the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. You know, when you plant a garden, good soil, and and you plant things in it, as it grows, it's blessed. Okay, But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. That's what they do with unfruitful fields many times. They'll burn the grass, burn the dead brush off of it, so that it can be restored again. And so he's saying, you know, that's not the way, and then he goes in verse 9, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. And things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. We're not saying you guys are in that state where you need to be burned, right? No believer can lose their salvation. We know that. But he's saying, you know, we, we, we are thinking that you should continue to bear fruit, as the next verse says. For God is not unrighteous, unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope unto the end or completely. You know, they had been faithful believers. They had ministered to the saints. They had given and got, and they said, you know, God's not going to forget that. He's going to reward you for all those things you have done. But now continue to do them. Continue in these things and put your, you know, continue in the hope completely. Go on to perfection. Reach maturity with the word of God. Then it says in verse 12, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That's, that's what it takes, that endurance until the end. One day we will be rewarded for the work and labor that we have done on this earth. But we want to continue in that. We just don't want to sit back and say, well, I've done so much and now I can just coast. No, we want to continue in that. All the way to the end is what the Word of God encourages. Um, and let's, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. There are many things in the book of Hebrews that encourage you towards continuing to be faithful, to hope till the end. And the hope is one of the great enabling factors that allows believers to endure. You know, when they have that hope, the finish line in their minds, it allows them to endure and handle the pressures, the persecutions, the tribulations of this life. But if that, you know, when a when an athlete is running in a race, one of the things that keeps him going is keeping that finish line in mind. You know, he may be in agony right now climbing this hill, but he reaches the top of the hill and where the finish when the finish line comes in view, he's he he is going to receive a prize. So he keeps him going. When we have that hope in mind of the blessings that God will give us, the reward, the crown, and the other associated blessings, it helps us to endure in the race when the going gets tough, you know, when we have those hills to climb in life, so to speak. Um, 
And there's many things that help us to stay encouraged. You know, we have God's word to read and study. We have fellowship with one another. We have even God's word says the Lord Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us. And in the book of Hebrews, his uh, high priestly ministry is shown to show that he is tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. And he's ever there for us. His throne is a throne of grace. All those things are set forth in the book of Hebrews. Of course, we have the Spirit of God within us. We have the manifestations. We have fellowship with one another, the one body of Christ. We have ministers in the body who help us. We have prayer. We have many, many ways that God helps us to stay encouraged, to stay, uh, stay faithful to his word. But the motivation, the key reason to stay faithful is that hope set before us. Because that hope, we will be rewarded for our faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 10, he reminds them again of the former days. See, they were, in a, again, getting very tired of the fight, getting fainted, fainting. And he reminds them of when they were young believers. He said, verse 32, But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you know, right after you heard the word of God, you endured a great fight of afflictions. You had lots of pressure on your life. Partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. When they first, these, these particular believers, when they first became enlightened to God's word, they endured a lot of pressure. Sometimes they were directly involved in that pressure. They were the ones partaking of it. Other times they were fellows with others, you know. Other believers were going through the pressure and they were sharing it with them. They were, you know, helping them along. And then it says in verse 34, For you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. The situation in their lives was so bad that people were coming in their houses, the authorities, whoever that might have been, and taking their material goods out of them. Imagine if you're sitting in the fellowship like you are today and somebody in the bangs on the door comes and takes your material goods from you. Would you be happy about that? Would you be all excited? Would you take that with joy? No, not you wouldn't take it with joy uh, unless you knew that in heaven you had a more enduring substance, that it was going to be worth it, that that sacrifice to stand upon God's word to stay faithful is going to be rewarded. Like he said, they knew that in heaven was a more enduring substance than the earthly substance that they had that they were now getting robbed of. Okay. So he's reminding of that. Remember when you were young believers, you didn't you you weren't attached to this world. You didn't care that your things were taken away because you knew you had the hope firmly set in your mind of the more enduring substance in heaven. So then he says in verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence which has great recompense of reward. Okay, Don't lose the same confidence that you once had because you're going to get a great recompense of reward for continuing to stand faithfully on God's word, to endure, to run this race all the way to the end. He's not just telling them to grin and bear the afflictions and the pressures they're facing. He tells them why. Because you're going to get a great recompense of reward. Okay. You're going to be recompensed for what you are dealing with, all this afflictions of this world. 
And then verse 36, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Jesus Christ is coming back. And we just need to be patient. At times it feels like, oh, it's so long. You know, I've waited so long. It seems like that many times. But really, it's, it's a, you know, our life is but a breath. It's a moment. A little while, and he, shall, he that sh- shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, live by believe, believing. We are those just ones, the righteous ones. And we are to continue to live day in and day out by believing. Endure in believing, keeping that the right way of believing in, in our lives all the way till the end. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in it. You know, to quit the race. We can never, then it says, for we are not, verse 39, for we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We could never so far get off of God's, get away so far away from God's that we lose our eternal life. We're not in that category. It's the same thing 1 Corinthians 3 tells us. You know, we can, lo- we can lose out on get- obtaining future reward if we don't stay faithful, but we can never go-, go to a point where we lose our eternal life. So he's saying, but, that, but don't be just satisfied with that. Continue to hope. Continue to look to the future reward. Stay faithful because there is a great recompense of reward coming. Let's go to... Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 now, and all this teaching throughout the book of Hebrews continues to build and build as to the benefits of staying faithful. And in Hebrews 12, and in fact, chapter 11 is a great encouragement for all these wonderful believers that were waiting for the first coming of Christ and how they stayed faithful, uh, waiting for that first coming. And that's that great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews chapter 12 then says, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, endurance, the race that is set before us. And how do you do that? It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith, it should say, of the believing, the perfecter of the believing, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You know The temptations that Jesus Christ had were far greater than what we've ever, that we've ever experienced. And he says, you know, we're to consider him, we're to look unto Jesus Christ, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He had his eyes on the, his hope, which was being seated at God's right hand. We're going to look at that in a second. And because of that, he was able to endure the cross. Verse 3, for consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You see how... This was the danger of these believers, quitting, fainting, stopping being faithful. And he can say, you know, in a race, you can get tired. And again, if you don't keep the finish line in view, if you don't keep that what the end goal is in view, you can, you, you, you're in danger of dropping out of the race. 
and says, don't faint in your minds. Consider what Jesus Christ did, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Let's look at a couple of records of Jesus Christ after he was taken captive. And, and, you, and, and you'll notice a very interesting thing. Uh, look at Matthew 26. We're going to consider him briefly here, but you can take the time to consider him much more deeply. Matthew 26, verse 57. This is the night that Jesus Christ was arrested. In verse 57, they, they had a trial of it. And they, verse 57, And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witnesses, witness against Jesus to put him to death. But found none, yea, though they, they had, um, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answers thou nothing? What is it that these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And look at his response. Jesus said to him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Jesus Christ said very little, and if you read the records during his trial, but look at what he said. You're going to see the Son of Man. Man, you know, seated at the right hand of God and coming in clouds. Now, he's already seated there. The coming in the clouds is yet future. But think about how foolish, if you didn't believe that, how foolish it would be to say that to somebody in a trial. You know, and if we have the, but Jesus Christ had that hope, that joy firmly set in his mind so he could even endure this so-called mock trial. And he, except for, he said very little, but he had his eyes on his hope, being seated at God's right hand. Let's, uh, let's go to Luke 22. And this is the next morning. He, you know, they did a night trial and then did another trial in the morning. Trial is a, is a loose word for it because it was just a kangaroo court, basically. They were determined to get rid of him. In Luke 22, Verse 66, it says, and as soon as it, Luke twenty two sixty six. 66. <coughs> it says, and as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. <laughs> then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, You say that I am. And they said, What need we have any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. So you see, he again, where was his eyes? <laughs> in heavenly things, seated at God's right hand. That's a, very few words he spoke. In um, Back to Matthew uh, 27. 
Jesus Christ was brought before Pilate, the governor, on twice during his final hours. And this is the second appearance before Pilate. <coughs> Matthew twenty-seven eleven, And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And he was accused of the chief priests and elders. He answered, Nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. See, Jesus Christ said very little, but let's pay attention to what he does say when he says it. Now at the last, at the feast, the governor, oh, wait a minute. Uh, no, we're going to stop right there. Let's go to John 18. John 18, That's this continues with this time before Pilate. John 18. Verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, Thou sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. At this time, did Jesus Christ have a kingdom? No. But now we know in Colossians, it tells us, right? We have been, we have been taken from the power of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of his dear son. Jesus Christ was looking forward to the kingdom he would receive. Again, his eyes were on, on, not on earthly things, but on future, his hope, the joy set before him. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou says that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So Jesus Christ for the joy set before him, endured the cross. His eyes were on his future kingdom, of his being seated at God's right hand, of his coming in the clouds of power. And that joy that was set before him allowed him to endure all the shame of the cross, all the spitting, all the abuse, all the mockery that he got, because he knew the reality of what he was what it was coming in the future. And that's why we have to convince ourselves of our hope. You know, We have to be convinced when the persecutions arise that it's worth it. When tribulations and pressures come in our lives, that it's worth it because we are going to be rewarded for our faithfulness. <coughs> Excuse me. Remember we read that it has great recompense of reward as we wait patiently for that. And we're going to finish off in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, Now thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, 
The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you know the Second Timothy, the times are very, very tough. Paul, you know, people had forsaken the gospel. There was a temptation to be ashamed of the gospel. And Paul is encouraging Timothy to stay faithful. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for the masteries or contend in the games, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully, according to the rules. The husband that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, if we, and this word should be the word endure, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. You see, God's word says, it says faithful and in verse 11, it's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. That is a true reality. When Christ died, we died with him, it says. And that's referring to our eternal life. It cannot be taken away from us. If we, if we, if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Our li eternal life is guaranteed, but the next verse is a different thing. It's a condition. If we suffer, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. Reigning with him is conditional upon enduring. Um, if we deny him, become ashamed of the gospel, quit on God's word, quit on the things of God, says he also will deny us. And that denying here would be in the context, the reigning with him. See, we cannot be denied our eternal life. Like verse 13 again reiterates, if we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. Eternal life is guaranteed, but reigning with Christ is based on enduring, to get that crown that Paul spoke about, so run that you may obtain, so run, endure unto the end. And we have, uh, you know, it, it, the crown is nothing to be, uh, nothing to be um, taken lightly. You know, Paul at the end of his life say, hereafter there is laid for me. Well, let's just read it. Let me not quote it. Second, Second Timothy 4. Verse 5 says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. See, Paul said, I finished the race that I was part of doing. I have kept the faith. I didn't quit believing. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all that have that also love his appearing. See, for it's that crown is laid up was laid up for Paul because he had kept the faith. He had been faithful all his life, and now God had showed him that he was going to get that crown. Remember in 
Corinthians, he said, I, you know, I, I don't want to be disqualified. I'm going to keep under my body. At this point in his life, God had already shown him that he would obtain the crown. He had stayed faithful. And it's for all those who love is appearing then to endure unto the end to stay faithful. And it's going to be worth it to obtain that crown, to, to reign with Jesus Christ, to finish our race. So we have a great example in Jesus Christ himself. We have great encouragement from the scriptures that it's worth for us to continue to run this race with endurance. So Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the tremendous examples in God's word of people who just stood on your word despite all the obstacles of life, Father. Thank you, God, that we can imitate them. Thank you for the encouragement that you give us from your word. And Thank you for continuing to help us to run the race with, race with patience and endurance. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.